Welcome to the Plan Simple Podcast. I am your host, Mia Moran. Moms have the power to change the future, but not if we're stressed out and exhausted. Looking at food, lifestyle, spirituality, and work, the Plan Simple Podcast is for busy moms who want to create a healthier and happier future. Listen in for inspirational conversations and valuable strategies to plan for your best life. Hey, y'all. Welcome to this episode of the Plan Simple Podcast. I'm really excited for this episode today. So I'm going to have Claire Pelletro on, who is somebody whose podcast I listen a lot to. So it's funny because when I was talking to her, I was like, wow, I really know this voice. Um, And I think I've listened to pretty much all the podcasts she's put out. So I asked her to be on the show, and it's a little bit of a different show because I feel like a lot of times the people who I'm interviewing are people who either... Um, have a story that really ties into health and wellness and, and planning and family, or are people who are really helping us in this journey. So with health and wellness and um, parenting and, and time management and all the things that I talk about as I talk about the flow planning process. And so Claire's business is a little bit different, but I really wanted her on because there was a number of things that she kept sharing in her podcast that I was really like... This is so real. She's being so real and so vulnerable about her personal life um, as she's talking about these really big business concepts. And I was thinking how refreshing it was to hear somebody who has, you know, a big business and a big reach and is really not focused on work-life balance or food. Like none of that is what is part of her business. She actually helps people run Facebook and Instagram ads. Um, And she has a whole platform doing that. And she always shares these great nuggets and, and is just so real. And so I thought it would be really cool to get her on just to see how somebody who comes off as a really successful person in the online business space, you know, how she's balancing her life with having a three and a half year old and moving um, back to her home country and all the things that go on in her in her home and in her in her head. And so I'm hoping that you guys love this. I would love to hear how you do do like this because I do have a whole bunch of people I can think of who would be great guests on this podcast who would do much of the same. I mean, what they're doing in their business doesn't necessarily relate to us, but hearing their story, I think, is just so important. And you may need to run some Facebook ads for your company or for your entrepreneurial journey. And Claire is definitely a good resource for that. Um, So I feel like I just told you a lot about her without reading all about her bio. But if you didn't get that, Claire Pelletro is an entrepreneur who teaches people how to run Facebook and Instagram ads. And she's the founder of the Get Paid Podcast, which is the podcast that I listen to all of them. Um, She lives in Philadelphia with her three and a half year old daughter and her Argentine husband, both of whom you hear about on this podcast. Now, before we dive into talking to Claire, um, I just have one announcement. We are opening up I think 10 spaces, although there may only be seven or eight left, um, into Flow 365 this month in September, so by September 30th. So if you're interested in that experience, I want you to send my team an email. And you can do that by just emailing mia at plansimplemeals.com and putting in the subject line Flow 365, and my team will get back to you with what the next steps would be. 
If you're emailing us, you do not have to be committing to it by any means. We will lead you to the right place to tell you all about it. And we just want to learn a little bit more about you and make sure you'd be a good fit to fit into um, where we are in the process. And I just am, I wanted to get as many people in as I can because it's just having such an impact on people's lives. And what Flow 365 is, is it's just a group of women who are showing up and are committed to living just a life that matters to them. Everybody's life is very different. And look at how food, lifestyle, spiritual spirituality and work choices fit into making this whole life. So most of us are balancing um, parenting and some level of entrepreneurship, either having a company or having a big corporate job and thinking about what you could do next. Um, a lot There's definitely some people whose children are going off to college, and then there's many people who have younger ones. And it's just a way, I don't know if you've ever had this big idea. And the whole reason this came up is because I have lots of big ideas. And I was finding that as I looked back, I'm a big journaler. And as I would look back at my journals over the years, I would see that I would be writing down the same thing. Like my ideas weren't changing as much as I thought they would. Like I had these things I wanted to do and I wasn't getting them done. And a lot of me blamed you know, that I had kids and that it wasn't my time and all blah, 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 blah. And I realized that I just wasn't making the time. So what Flow 365 is about is really about committing to making the time for yourself. And the way we do that is we keep each other really accountable. So we look at life in 90-day chunks. We make a plan for 90 days and we literally check in weekly and daily to make sure that we're getting our stuff done. And it's... I've, it's just been amazing to watch what people are getting done um, and what they're choosing not to do, which is just as important, right? So very often we get into this frazzled, overwhelmed state because we're saying yes to like way too much and the things we're saying yes to aren't the things that are really mattering to us. Does that make sense? So anyway, if this sounds appealing to you, send me an email at mia at plansimplemeals.com and either I or someone on my team will get back to you with the next steps. And one of the next steps is definitely to um, hop on the phone after you know you've read a little bit more and decided that you want to do that. No pressure. Um, and we can just get talking and figure out if this is a good fit. Now, I do also want to say, I think that this experience is one of the best deals on the planet. I've worked in a lot of coaching programs that I have not gotten this much personal interaction with the coach as I give to the people in Flow 365. And I've also worked with a lot of private coaches and spent a lot of money. And there's something about the group dynamic, which is so much more motivating to me, which is why I created this, that I miss in that. Plus it costs a lot of money. Um, and so this does not cost a lot of money for what it is. So don't be scared by the fact that I'm having you email me. It's just because I have not updated the sales page and, um, it's just an easier way to find 10 people. <laughs> All right. With no further ado, let's get Claire on the show so that you can hear how maybe work could feel like self-care. Hey, Claire, welcome to the Plan Simple podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This is a wonderful way to start my day. Can I just say that? I know. I feel lucky. I've um, We're recording this early for everyone's listening. Not that early, but you've probably already gotten a child out of the house, I would gather. Mine oh, yes. Sleeping. <laughs> Most definitely. Oh, that's lucky. Yeah, that happens eventually. 
<laughs> okay, I have that to look forward to. In full disclosure, I brought one to the airport at 5.30. Oh my gosh. And I've been on a run and now it's like we're recording this at 8 a.m. So, you know, I feel like a lot has been in, but I'm feeling lucky that I showered. <laughs> so and it's, it's kind of, it's kind of like your 1 p.m. right now. Somewhat, something like that. I'm not sure what the afternoon will bring. <laughs> I'm hoping I can badge a little bit. Um, all right. So tell everybody a little bit about you and just, you know, you're an entrepreneur, what you do and how, who you have at home. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I teach people how to run Facebook and Instagram ads for their business, businesses, primarily, um, coaches and online course creators, but really anyone who's using email to make the sale because the ads plus the emails really do a great job of, of selling. So, um, I have a three and a half year old at home as well as my husband who is Argentine, uh, or Argentinian, whatever your preferred word is. And he's very dreamy. Awesome. I have my husband's Colombian. No way. Yes. So, you know, whatever we've got the continent. (laughs) Love the Latinos. Yes. (laughs) Me too. Especially the men. Yes. (laughs) It's all good. Um, Okay, so you have a three and a half year old, and have you always been an entrepreneur? I forget that part. So I started my business in 2014. So um, that was before having a child. Exactly. Yeah, and even before that, I was doing some entrepreneurial things. I've only had one real job as an adult, um, and that was for only about a year, and that was right before I went out on my own and made. It was sort of a freelance gig at the time, but the Facebook ads thing, I made that full time right after I was let go from that job. But I was like off in Argentina teaching English to people, kind of putting together a consulting business down there. Um, Yeah, never had a real job except for that one year. It's funny. I share that too. I... um... I had a different business as I was having my kids. So I'm a graphic designer by trade. So I had that, it was a pretty big business and it was very sort of bricks and mortar. Mm. So it's interesting what it's like having a business before kids <laughs> and, and like riding it out through kids and then starting one after kids. But anyway, it's probably- Definitely. Yes. Very different. Yeah. So, and and where do you live now? You used to live in Argentina, but you don't live there now, right? You're in the States? Right. I was born and raised in Philadelphia. And then once my daughter was four months old and my husband's immigration stuff came through, we moved six blocks away from where I grew up. So back in Philadelphia. That's convenient. Is, do you still have family? Yes. They are very close by. Not those six blocks away, unfortunately. That would be... <laughs> Even better, convenient, right? (laughs) Yes, but no. I mean, they're about ten minutes away by car, and and we're really happy to have their help. Yeah, and I mean, I was gone for ten years, and so being back close to family is wonderful for me. Yeah, and especially, I'm sure they love having a little person to like. They sure do. (laughs) I called my mom yesterday to ask her a favor, and she was like, "Does it have to do with my little darling?" And I said, "Yes." (laughs) She was glad to do it. I love it. And you work from home. Is that true? Cool. Yep. And, and so tell us a little about how you do that. Like, how do you balance that with having a three and a half year old? Um, my daughter goes to full-time daycare. We're talking eight to five. Awesome. I, I could pick her up earlier. Occasionally I do, but usually it's more like five, five thirty. Got it. And does she, has she, does she love it? She loves it. You know what? I picked her up early on Friday 
because we were, my husband and I were going out that night for a date mm-hmm. night mm-hmm. and I picked her up early because I, I felt a little bit guilty about the fact that she was going to come home and we were immediately going to leave. And she goes, so I don't get to go to aftercare? <laughs> and I was like, okay, this is just even more confirmation that she's so happy here. Uh, she's so entertained. And I mean, she's, she's a little brilliant kid in my opinion. Uh, yes. and, and that she's getting from them. Definitely not from, from me. I mean, I guess we're, yeah, we're good parents, but we're not stimulating her um, intellectually, yeah. emotionally, yada, yada, the way they do at school. Yeah, it's interesting. I, um, well, I have two thoughts on that. One is, well, so when I had one, I now have three, but when the first one was young, I did the same thing. It's when I had the sort of my design firm was at its heyday and, you know, what can you do? Right. And it was just the way it worked and it was so convenient and it was so nice having like people you trusted and in a place you trusted. Mm-hmm. Eventually it's cheaper to have a babysitter when you have multiple children. Right. That's what <laughs> I've heard. Preschool things is like, you know, you could well, have like three babysitters kind of, or at least two. <laughs> but then do you like send them to somebody's house? Cause I am not somebody um, who could have the babysitter downstairs, the nanny downstairs with my kid. Like so I just, I left. So at that time, my company, you know, was, was 20 people and we couldn't be in my house. So we were, I left and I, it was super convenient cause we were eight blocks away. And so as I, I have three who are two years apart. So basically I was nursing for a long time <laughs> and like babysitters would just walk the kids to me. Like I never pumped a day in my life except maybe for a date night. <laughs> so that part was awesome. Um, and then, yeah, I just sort of gave them, you know, the house and they basically eventually sort of made their own daycare because three is, you know, a pretty merry amount of people. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it was definitely more cost effective that way. Mm. Um, but the other thing I wanted to just point out and talk a little bit about is it's interesting because, you know, I lead a lot with talking with women about self-care because I find that women who are entrepreneurs and moms tend not to take very good care of themselves at all moments. And one of the things that we've really gotten clear about this year with um, the group of women I've been working about is how sometimes work can be like deep self-care mm. because sometimes when we're not like leaning into what it is that we want to do or not making the money that we want to make or whatever, we're actually like not taking care of ourselves. Absolutely. Yeah. So I just, I love that. Like, I feel like we have so, we have so, we can have so many judgments and thoughts of other parents (laughs) and, and one of that, you know, there's this, like, I feel like there's always this pull at school of who are the working moms and who are the stay at home moms. And Mm. I feel like I've always tiptoed across this, like, you know, trying to be fit in both courts, but um, it's just interesting how how we we don't realize that about work. You know, I totally notice uh, on the playground in the like moms meetups that that I organize actually because that's also self care for me is ha- yeah. like making friends <laughs> who are really local, and then I can you know do play dates with them. Yeah, there is really a kind of a different vibe between the the stay-at-home moms and the work-from-home mom. They're, sorry, the working moms. It doesn't matter where they work from. Yeah. And I really, really believe that neither is a quote-unquote right choice. 
but I identify with the, the moms, the parents, but really if we're just, if we're talking about moms here, because you and I are moms, <laughs> yes, you know, the, the people who can actually talk about work with me. Every time I make a friend who then sort of starts a side business, I automatically want to hang out with them more. Yeah. <laughs> because I, like, you know, I, I'm like, ooh, ambition. And not to say that people who uh, are like not entrepreneurs don't have that ambition. I have a very good friend who like has a corporate job and uh, is rising in those ladders, but I don't understand it as much. Right. That's all. But I'm like, oh, my friend started a podcasting company. Uh, okay, let's talk about that. Even though she's a, you know, a complete day job that she's working on. So it's really not that one is better than the other. I just, I can got, like basically talk shop yeah, with the other working moms and especially entrepreneur, entrepreneurial moms. Um, that, and that just gives me joy because yeah, uh, work is my self-care and talking about work is fun for me. Yeah. Well, and that's, I think joy like is like the big thing, right? So you said it gives you joy. And I think that we forget that it's like what gives us joy that is actually us, means we're probably taking pretty good care of ourselves. Yeah. You know, my daughter started, we put her in daycare at nine months for three days a week. And I remember like we were visiting a daycare and my husband said, well, I was actually thinking maybe she could go like five days a week. And I, it was like a, a punch in the gut, the guilt thinking about that felt like a punch in the gut. Like that I was, how could I possibly, I have this option to kind of stay at home, if you will, because, well, I mean, he was making enough money and my business was just pulling in enough revenue to cover my expenses. Um, so, but we went to three days a week and then quickly to four and you know, the fifth day my parents had her. And when that suddenly wasn't enough for us anymore because they wanted her to come over a little later or I don't know, sometimes grandparents need a little bit more support. Yes. We went to five days a week at school and it's been glorious. Yeah. No, there is definitely a benefit. And I know some people actually work it out so that they pay their parents, but I have never done that. There's definitely a benefit to paying some, like to the, just the clarity that comes with that for like what, how you can ask for your needs. <laughs> definitely. Versus just, you know, asking someone to help. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. And so, so it's interesting though, that it was hard at first. And then once you saw like how great it was for her, you were like, it's great. As soon as she was there, like I gave myself the very first day to not do anything, to just kind of cry a little um, and kind of be there if they needed me. They, of course, did not call. I guess I was a little bit worried about her actually taking a bottle because she had stopped after four months. Right. You know, one of those things. And she was absolutely fine. And then, yeah, and then I just got to work. I didn't pump. I refused to pump mm -hmm. um, when she was in daycare. I mean, really, at that point, any anymore because I was like, this is my time to get shit done Yeah, for me to produce, to, uh, to bring in revenue. I'm not spending it, you know, worried about like her needing to get breast milk instead of formula. I'm right. a little bit like furious at breast is best. I'm one of those people. 
I'm <laughs> best and I think breast is best is like detrimental to moms. Uh, totally cool if that's your choice, but the the pressure that it puts us yeah. on new moms um, and and then on working like working moms who they just have it hard enough right, right. to do the two jobs of um, being a mother to a very very young child and working like sure throw throw pumping in on top of that great no pressure right and it makes yeah. your brain work slightly differently when you're doing it so. Oh, I didn't even know that. <laughs> well, or just like when you're nursing in general, you know, I feel like you get a little bit of clarity when like you're not doing that all day. Mm. Um, yeah, no, I felt grateful that I didn't have to do that. I did end up nursing that, but my middle one um, actually ha- en- ends up having severe allergies, which is why I do what I do now. And somewhere in it, I, I had to let go and that was super hard, but I just had to let go and be like, she literally is not served by mm. my milk. <laughs> like, what? Why do you think it was hard for you to let go? I don't know. I just, I think that like I had done it for the first one and it was funny because I always was like, I'm going to do this for a year. And with the first one, I did not make it quite till a year, but I made it almost, but not quite. And then with Orly, the second one, like she was just like, I was literally causing her pain and Mm -hmm. I had like taken everything out of my diet. Like I was eating nothing. And it's just, so, so, she was just allergic to something and we, she was too little for us to like really figure it out, obviously. Mm-hmm. And so um, anyway, we ended up with this formula that like totally worked and she was fine. And, you know, all of a sudden she could like poop and she was a little bit more human and she didn't have as much eczema. And it was like, you know, it was something about me. And so that was, you know, a little bit hard. And then with the third one, I was like, you know, I got back in to thinking I could do it again. And, and, and then that time I actually enjoyed it. Like, I feel like the first two times I didn't enjoy it as much. I just thought I had to do it. And the third one, it was like, maybe it was just so chaotic, but I, I loved mm. it. And I, we made it till a year. I loved breastfeeding. Like after, no, I did not. after <laughs> the first probably three months, uh, it, we had to use like a nipple shield and stuff. And then once we did, like things got better, but that's not fun. That's like messy and whatnot. Yeah. But it became a lot easier for me after three months. So it was something I loved doing. Yeah. But I just can't stand the pressure that gets put on moms. I totally agree. I mean, I could go, I really could rant about this and I won't because I don't want hate mail, but um, no, send it, send it my way, please. No, nobody send email. But it's interesting because right now, you know, I hear stories all the time. Actually, the person who cuts my hair, who I like love and follow wherever she goes, even though now I have to drive a little bit farther than I want to, to go see her. Um, <laughs> she is pregnant with her second child and she was like, so make appointments, you know, all throughout. And I was like making appointments and I was doing the math in my head. And she was like back to work at three and a half weeks. Mm. And I was like, oh, you know, and I, and, and it's just like, there's sometimes just not the choice. Like, you know, she wants, she loves what she does, but, and, but we're tired, you know, and we don't give ourselves always time to heal. Um, you know, and three weeks is like, you, you're barely, you know, walking normally again. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> Takes us a minute. So, so I feel like in this country, especially since we don't necessarily honor that phase of women, a woman's life, um, adding extra pressure sucks. Totally. Uh, a friend of mine, they at six weeks just went to formula so that her husband could help more. 
That yeah. was it. Not a work schedule. I mean, totally, totally privileged. And they made a decision that worked for their family and like, you know, really helped the mom. And I totally respect that. Of course, when I heard it at first, cause I didn't know shit, I was like, oh wow. Huh. You know, like, couldn't you have tried longer? Yeah. <gasps> bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. Yeah. Okay. The other thing that I heard you say in between your breaths of, of sharing about the daycare thing was that when you did that, you didn't quite have the business you have now. So is that, so you, you were meeting your expenses, which I think is also another thing that we don't always let ourselves do. So I find that really intriguing. Do wanna... What do you mean we don't let ourselves so, do it? So I feel like, you know, as we're deciding to work from home instead of go to work because we, you know, go into a corporate job because we feel like that might give us more balance as a family. Or, you know, we decide to cut back to part-time because that will enable us to be home when the kids get home from school or whatever choices we're trying to make, you know? Um, because eventually, I hate to burst the bubble, but after daycare, you know, there's always after school, but eventually like kindergarten starts to get hard because all of a sudden school ends, you know, mm. and it's like at an earlier hour. And I actually found myself wanting to be home more as they've gotten older, which is this weird thing that I can't even explain. But like, I want to be home when my high schooler gets home at three. Like, I just want to be able to like check in and look him in the eye and like see how he's doing. And for some, yeah. to me, that's so much more productive mm -hmm. <laughs> than it was like running around with a crying toddler. Um, sure. <laughs> so, but what's, what's interesting to me is I don't think we always give ourselves permission. Like there's this ramp up phase of starting a business, especially when we're balancing that with motherhood that I think we don't always, um, give ourselves permission, or at least I totally didn't give myself permission to do. And I just always felt bad that I wasn't earning as much as I used to earn or wasn't earning as much as my husband could earn or, you know what I mean? Totally. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I have made a number of decisions over the years. Actually, it's the same decision over and over again, which is to not take on a lot of clients and actually do the ad management because I do do that for mm -hmm. two to three clients at a time. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I remember in 2000, early 2018, and that's, you know, well after my daughter was born, she was born in March, 2016. But um, we were just at a point I had done, I had had a pretty good year in 2017, but that the last like four months ish had not been so good. So on paper, everything looked great, but like actually what I was paying myself and my family was low. And I remember this conversation with my husband where he was like, but I don't understand why you're not just trying to get clients who are going to pay you, you know, 1500 or $2,000 a month each. Mm -hmm. And it was hard for me. And it's, it used to be a constant struggle, this conversation with him about it, because he's a, a person who that's his business model. He runs a software development agency. Mm -hmm. So it's like the more clients, the more money. Um, and so I would have to constantly tell him like, listen, if I take that on, then I don't give myself the room to build this more, more scalable course business, right. Or yeah. coaching, if you will, you know, whatever you want to call it. Cause I do, I have a course and then I have like mentorship, things like that. And we were really able to do that because he was bringing in enough money. And then, you know, I would have these like great months, uh, when there was a launch or something and that would 
then I would be able to kind of squirrel away that money. Mm -hmm. But it was a constant back and forth with him about that. And when I went on maternity leave, it was sort of the same thing. I had just had a launch. I had a, a coaching program in the last three months of my pregnancy. And then I had the payments coming in from that. Right. From like it was a, I don't know, some people had a six or nine month payment plan. And so those payments were what covered my expenses. And the expenses were just my tools and my virtual assistant. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't huge, wasn't a ton of money, um, but it helped me sustain that. And then, uh, I mean, it really helps that my husband is an entrepreneur. Mm. Um, and, but, but yeah, I know a lot of people, they have to make decisions that are more like income driven, yes. um, and more short-term income decisions. And I've done it. I did it earlier in 2019 when I needed a sh like injection of cash, but instead of saying, okay, I'm going to take on like, I don't know, two or three more clients, I'm going to like offer these coaching packages to my existing coaching clients. And boom, yes. that was $6,000 that I needed. But I'm still, but now over time, I'm still like fulfilling that. So yeah, it's an interesting, it's an interesting balance. Um, yeah, I am extremely lucky that I've been able to like have that support from him for him to be able to support us during, yeah. the, during maternity leave and then immediately after. And then when I've had those kind of rough patches for him to say, okay, yeah, I, I got this. Um, yeah. It was interesting. Cause when, and what, cause when I switched from, I mean, I, I had my own company, but it, you know, it was, a, I could salary myself there. Um, it was different because what I didn't realize I was choosing. So I thought I was just switching like careers, <laughs> mm -hmm. but what I didn't realize I was choosing was I was actually choosing to like motherhood more. Mm -hmm. So at the time of my design company, I think I, I ended up pretty much dealing with that and shutting the doors when my kids were six, four and one. And I was just like so in survival mode at that moment <laughs> and mm. like needed something. So basically I was almost like choosing to stay at home, but like, I don't have that mentality. So, you know, we still had the sitter with somebody was still in school and I was working my butt off to learn about coach. Like I was basically schooling myself again in mm -hmm. a different kind of entrepreneurship to become a coach and to learn all of everything I could about health. And it was just interesting looking back. Like I didn't know that was, I, I couldn't talk about it in a smart way. <laughs> so, so I, I love, I love making it clarity, but I, and I feel like there, you know, sometimes there's not always clarity. And, but I'm so glad I gave myself permission to do that because, you know, seven years later, here I am. And I'm so that, you know, it was such self-care that I was able to, to do that. And, you know, at the beginning I would still take design job. Like I did whatever I had to, to make sure I wasn't being really irresponsible, but, um, <laughs> but it wasn't the same, you know, it was different. Hmm. What, what time of day or like, when were you getting that? that education piece done, that schooling of yourself? When were you getting it done in? I think that was my issue. So I wasn't dividing. I almost felt like the schooling was my work. So now I'm like very clear about like, 
you know, what kinds of work I do and when I'm coaching and when I'm creating marketing content and when I'm learning, like I'm always still trying to learn, but I'm much more clear now about when that is. I think at the time I was actually going through like my own transformation at the time when I was like, why doesn't everybody know all this, <laughs> you know? And so I was, I was just taking on so much at once that I, I, I think it was just like too many directions. So it was, it was crazy making. So, you know, some days I'd spend all day, like, you know, watching Marie Forleo. <laughs> like, <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know what was going on. And also I had never, I didn't understand this world existed before that. Like it was just sort of like this one day I was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. And I didn't feel like such a strange person because I love everything that I've learned over the past seven years. And I was like, where was that information my whole life? Well, the thing is, before seven years, it wasn't very prevalent. Right. I guess that's what it was. And then all of a sudden it was like starting to pop up everywhere. And, you know, I was definitely had like shiny unicorn glitter syndrome, whatever it is. Like I chased after every shiny object at that moment. And, you know, now I'm much more discerning about that, <laughs> which, which, you know, it's just been a muscle I've had to flex a little bit. Yeah. Same. Yeah. <laughs> There's so many good things out there. Um, and the other thing I found is that, you know, in my design business, which sounds like it was built sort of like how your husband's consulting business might be built, each client was worth a lot of money to me. Uh-huh. And now each, you know, I have a very simple business model where I'm just selling a year coaching program and it's only $2,000, you know, which sounds like a lot to people who are investing in themselves, but, you know, isn't a lot in the grand scheme of things. And, um, and it's the same effort. Do you know what I mean? It's like mm -hmm. the same effort to go convince Harvard or MIT that they should spend $50,000 on a website as it is to convince a mother that she should, you know, spend $2,000 to feel better, <laughs> which is so interesting. Yeah. No, I, I get it. I mean, to, to get people to part with their money for like something that's totally selfish, if you will. Yeah. It's not for their kids or not for their parents or not for their partner. Um, yeah, that, yeah, that's a big ask. And, you know, Harvard or MIT, they're not like emotionally attached to the yeah. outcome at all. Right. Yeah. So it's been, it's been a big learning curve, but what are you doing? What were you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea, but it feels so much better. Good. That's you know, good. at the end of the day, when I was like handed off a website, I was just like, you know, I appreciated that I could make things beautiful and functional and that kind of stuff, but you know, it didn't, it didn't last very long. Now it's like, I think of people and their transformations and I'm just like, oh my God, like, you know, that $2,000, which would be the equivalent of like, I'm not saying don't go to your therapist, but with like five therapy things and like, they're so good, you know? And so mm -hmm. I just, you know, and it just feels good. I can think, I can recall how good I feel like all throughout the day, if I'm ever feeling like, what the hell am I doing? And so that, that just feels so much better. That's awesome. A, min a minute to make the money part work. Mm -hmm. um, so let's talk, let's, let's pivot a little bit. Um, so I heard you share on your podcast, which we're going to have to tell everybody about because I love that podcast. And it's interesting because we're starting to, well, one of the things that I you know, was able to eventually bring back my design into my business. I mean, of course I could do it with the website and whatnot, but I made a planner a couple of years ago and that's sort of the cornerstone of everything we do now. Mm -hmm. And um, we, 
that the planner is called the flow planner. And so it really looks at food, lifestyle, what I call OM and work. And so in the lifestyle and OM part, it's given me this, this ability to really talk about money, which I feel like I started this whole business because I had this whole food revelation and lost a bunch of weight and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then that sort of migrated into then upgrading our lifestyle and parenting and dealing with a kid with allergies and all that stuff. And now for the past two years, what I've been working on has really been about money mindset. So I've been, it's so interesting because I've really been trying to figure out a way to, to get that, to get that in. So I love that you talk so candidly about money. Cause I think that that's something that as women, I don't know, we don't always do. And I wish we did. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, you know, I was raised that like, you don't really talk about money certainly not. You would never ask somebody, you know, what's their rent or how much oh, they yeah. get paid. Um, I think most people are, are raised that way. Um, I was in a, in a room with Ramit Sati. Do you know him? Mm-hmm. Do you follow him at all? Uh, so he did a book tour and his, uh, he, at the 10 year anniversary of his book, I will teach you to be rich. He redid it. You know, he really published a new version and he did a book tour and he asked us, to raise our hands. No, first we were like, he just asked us to share our salaries, our debt. Uh, and I forget if there was something else, but then he asked us, have you ever been in a room where people were talking about their salaries or debt before? And obviously the (laughs) answer was a resounding no. Um, but it was, you know, it was eye opening with a caveat that I actually do have those conversations um, yes. all the time on my podcast. But every single person who comes on, I mean, I ask people how much money they make, how they do it, how much money they take home. And so naturally people come on the show and they tell me I'm nervous. Yeah. Nervous to talk about it. And I don't think it's about sharing. I don't think it's the like, Oh, what are people going to think? But rather, I'm not supposed to be talking about this. Yeah. It's interesting. And for me, <laughs> for me, it was like, I'm supposed to know this and I don't. Wait, why do you think you're supposed to know it? Who, where are you well, going like, to learn it from or hear it from? Not, not know. Well, that's true too. But like, like, even if you were to be like three years ago, if you were to ask like, how much do you make? How much do you uh, make? I could have answered that question mm-hmm. before I started doing all this work. Like I didn't understand that. And it made me so nervous when I first started to do this work. Like, you know how like, I feel like every money course starts with, you figuring out your numbers and whatnot, Mm -hmm. that step used to get me so nervous that I would just stop. Like that was a big shiny object type of class I would buy because I was like, this class doesn't work. This class doesn't work. I can't get past step one. (laughs) (laughs) um, Yeah, it used to be awful. And I imagine, you know, I imagine I'm not the only one like that. My first year, maybe even two years of business, I kind of thought that I had the money stuff figured out, except it would come to the end of the month and I would find myself paying myself like a thousand or $1,500. And I was like, wait, what? Yeah. I definitely made a lot more than this. What's going on? So this spreadsheet that I had come up with, it was not, it was not serving me. And um, I eventually learned how to use YNAB, you need a budget. I love that application. Do I'm dying to get him business? on the show. 
Oh yeah, that would be a yeah. I love I love that whole concept because I think very similarly that well, you keep going about YNAB. Well, no, I mean I know a lot of people use it for personal budgeting, and we have like recently started using it consistently in our family because we're also spenders. Mm-hmm. You know, the more money you make, the more you mm-hmm. spending. Um, but I've been using it in my business since I think 2016. Oh, that's awesome. I, I mean, I just love it. It's, it's really, really like opened my eyes about like how much money I'm spending in the business. And when I was making decisions about outsourcing or investments, I was just not doing a good job of forecasting anything. Right. And I'm not saying that why not? It is like the best tool for forecasting, but just being able to like look at these quote unquote digital envelopes that I have and be like, oh, you want to hire somebody, but that's all you have in savings. Right. What if that person doesn't start producing revenue in like the first three months? Right. Uh, and, well, and the whole purpose of it for everyone listening, I, I feel like is deciding really in advance, right? Yes. Where your, where your money's going. Um, and it's definitely helped me. And I love the concept of deciding in advance. I mean, it's pretty much what we do here <laughs> is like learn how to decide everything in advance. Um, cause it just makes such a difference. Yeah, definitely. And, and I wasn't, I was basically, you know, making decisions about my own, what I was paying myself at the end, at the end of the month where everything else had already been like all the money had gone somewhere else. Yeah. <sighs> Oh, yes. Okay. So let's pivot slightly. And something that you shared on your podcast about this winter was that you were, I think you recorded a whole like season of your podcast and then admitted that you were sort of feeling down this winter. Um, And so I'm curious because I know that I've definitely had moments of feeling down. So we can have a two-sided conversation here for sure. Um, like just the idea of balancing business and motherhood and being a wife and then like giving yourself space to not feel emotionally perfect. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah. I, I feel like I'm not really going to have anything useful to say here because basically what I did for January through March was they say in Argentina, like rowing the boat Mm-hmm. Sometimes in like really thick substances, like they just come up with whatever. Like you're just rowing in. I don't know. I can't. I can't come up with a good a good uh, analogy that will be understood. <laughs> but that's all I was doing. I was just rowing, just yep. getting through the hardest time I would say in my life, um, and that was due to infertility, mm. secondary infertility. Um, we had my daughter was a very happy accident in 2000 mm. well it started in 2015 yep and then we started trying in about may of 2018 yeah mm-hmm. and then it was the end of the the year where we finally went to see a fertility doctor and we didn't like get any news there was no like oh here's why nope yep. um but it was almost there was something about like losing my identity of a woman who got pregnant easily and then all these things that we would try. I mean, fortunately they were not like financially expensive things for us, Um, 
but every time they didn't work, it would just, I mean, the, the depression just got deeper and deeper. Yeah. Um, and all I could do was sustain, like I had podcast interviews scheduled because I was relaunching the podcast at the end of January. It had been on hiatus for a really long time. Mm -hmm. And so those were commitments that I couldn't really, I didn't feel like I could cancel. Um, cause it, it's already a pain to get, mm -hmm. you know, people to schedule. <laughs> scheduled to talk about their money, no less. You don't want to cancel on people to do that. Um, and then some client work, but really fortunately I had a very low, um, just a low client, a small client load, and then people who could support me in those things. So mm. I was just rowing that boat, trying to stay afloat and also probably not so successfully, but trying to just give myself a break. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure I, I could really say that because I would, my mindset was just in like in the toilet. Yeah. Um, and feeling guilty about feeling bad and probably being a bad wife, especially trying to like, you know, show up for my daughter, but definitely crying in from, front of her a few times. Yeah. I think, but I feel like those are the things that I feel like we associate that we would show up so strong with, you know, the leave it to beaver error, <laughs> mm -hmm. but I think we still do it, you know, all the time. So I love the idea of crying in front of kids and just admitting how hard it is. And it's, weirdly, you're the third person who I've heard with that story. Two people in our community shared a very similar story with a second, actually trying to get pregnant for the second time in the past two weeks. So. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's a real, you know, it's, it's a real stressor. Like, and I, I remember that and I remember one's not working out and that's like close to breast milk and money. Something we don't talk a lot about as women is, you know, right. miscarriages and having trouble getting pregnant and what that looks like and what that feels like. And, you know, it's crazy. And it hasn't, it, it hasn't been resolved. Right. Um, over here. I just, uh, we kind of took a break yep. for a while and that felt like impossible. Like, how do we do it? But then it was sort of superimposed on us because we were supposed to be in a clinical IVF trial. And so we couldn't get pregnant on our own. Like if we did, oh, right. we would lose this amazing opportunity. So that kind of took like the summer uh, that took us out of the, the running for the summer. And then I was given the placebo drug. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. I mean, I've definitely, I'm definitely in a different place about it now, um, partially because of food stuff, actually. Mm. So it's interesting that you say that. More. Well, um, a friend of mine who also struggled with uh, fertility stuff, she passed on the name of a functional medicine practitioner that she had mm -hmm. worked with, and she was able to basically start ovulating again um, on her own, which she had not been able to do for many years. And so I, this doctor ran some tests on me. I mean, she's in Kentucky. I'm in Philadelphia. She just <laughs> sent me stuff. Yeah. And they found a bunch of things, hormonal issues, candida, yep. um, immune system. Like my immune system is four times too active. Yep. Uh, so that's actually been the thing I've been working on is fixing cool. those problems with like natural, with food, with herbs. And so that gives me a little bit of hope that maybe yeah. once that's resolved, I'll get 
I'll be back to my like ability to get pregnant easily self. Yeah. I'm 2015. So but- by the way, when I got married, I was, oh, so I, so I got married in June and then I had my like yearly OBGYN in September or whatever, like shortly after. And the doctor was like, when you're ready to get pregnant, just come back. Cause you can't like you're in, mm-hmm. for, like you don't ovulate. So just come oh, back and we'll, we'll help shit. you. We'll deal with you. And I was like, all right. And so, but like, whatever, I was young and married and didn't, was not thinking about that that needed to happen right then. It just gave me permission to get off like birth control. And I was super psyched about that. <laughs> and, so, and so then fast forward to like February, one of my best friends had a baby in Puerto Rico and we went to go visit and we came back and things happened like in Puerto Rico, like I will fully admit to consuming things and, you know, (laughs) smoking, like, like it was like a party situation and we had fun and, and I came back and a week later, I just like, I got the stomach bug and I felt so sick. And we went to the doctor, the same one who told me like, come back whenever. And she was like, well, have you had a period? And I was like, well, no, I don't really get it. But weirdly, I like kind of bled like five days ago uh-huh. and she like literally turned white and Sebastian and I, like my husband, and I both looked at each other and we're like, wait, what? And she was like, well, gosh, if it was five days ago, like you guys are definitely having like twins or, or what? children. And I was like, what? I'm pregnant. What? Like what? Blah, 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 the twins? Like I was just like, what? And so I was pregnant, but I had actually gotten pregnant six, like I was six weeks pregnant. I had been pregnant the whole time oh. in, in, in the vacation, like at all the times I had bled, I had been pregnant. Like, and so I was like, oh my God, like, how did that happen? So it was a total, total surprise. So that happened. And then I, um, had him, but like, still I had never, I've never in my life had had a period without medicine. Like I had taken medicine my whole life to get it. Mm. And so then, um, I decided I wanted a second because I'm one of four and we're very, very spread out, like seven years between. Mm-hmm. I have a brother who's three years younger than me, but then it's like nine years and 16 years. And I was like, I'm going to have three, but they're going to be close. <laughs> and so I did, I did the same thing. Um, I did food and acupuncture mm. and they both really helped. Cool. But it's amazing how I'm always shocked what doctors tell us. <laughs> Because, well, you do a lot of mindset work, but I feel like when you're told that everything's a problem, it can feel really sucky. And then like just the functional medicine doctor sharing herbs and, and food changes, you know, like I'll never know if it was the acupuncture or the food that shifted things. It could have just been like, I believed. Right. Yeah. It's interesting. It it was very difficult to hear that actually there's no problem. No, that's not true. At first, great. At first it was like, oh, okay. Then this is just like bad timing. Um, And then you wanted to be with your husband, (laughs) the problem. Yeah. I mean, then, then it was these things we were doing that weren't working and that become, came more stress, right? Like we're actively, we're doing like uh, insemination and blah, blah, blah. So the timing was not an issue. Yeah. The like egg quality was supposedly not an issue. So then it was just getting the, that news from the functional medicine practitioner was helpful because it was like, there is a problem. It's a serious one. It can be fixed. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I also okay. used to be like really against IVF. I thought I could never, ever, ever do it. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly because I thought I could not take 
the financial pressure if it went mm-hmm. wrong. Mm-hmm. Now I'm just like, all right, it's another tab in YNAB. It's just like, why, you know, That's why awesome. not? It doesn't make me less of a, per- I thought, I thought it made me less of a person. Oh, interesting. Like, uh, this is just what I want. I know what I want. And sometimes this is how you have to get it. Yeah. That's so interesting. God, we're so judgy on ourselves. So judgy. Oh my gosh. All right. So where are we going to end this? Thank you for sharing that, by the way. Sure. No problem. Tell everybody how to find you. Um, The best thing to do, I think, would be to come listen to the podcast. Yeah. It's really good, especially if you're thinking about money and you're an entrepreneur. Yeah. It's called the the Get Paid Podcast, but the easiest way to find it is to search Get Paid Claire in whatever podcast app you have. Um, And then I'm also over at uh, ClairePels.com for, especially for Facebook ad stuff. Cool. And um, I don't know, let's give some closing words to our listeners. What do we want to close with? Um, well, what are you doing with your function? What are you eating? Let's, I, I'm, now I'm actually curious. <laughs> what are you uh, eating to fix Candida? What is she told um, Well, it, actually the Candida is now gone. So oh. that was successful, but um, hey. and I'm still on the diet. Uh, I think next up is some detox thing. Yep. Is gonna be even worse because so, right now I'm only eating high quality animal protein, mm-hmm. um, really green vegetables, mm-hmm. no fruit, no dairy, no carbs. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's basically that green vegetables and like uh, grass fed chicken, beef, fish those kinds of things. And, awesome. and I, honestly though, I just have this feeling that without the herbs, it would not have been as effective. Interesting. Um, there's a great book that I actually gave everyone in my group this year um, by Gwyneth, Gwyneth Paltrow's newest book, The Clean Plate. Mm. And it has really good recipes that are all candida safe. Oh, cool. Got it. <laughs> all right. Yeah. It's really, really, everyone loved it. And everybody actually a bunch of people, I sent the book to them because there's like different ones you can choose, like different issues you can try to solve. And one of them is candida. And mm. many people, I think many people, many women deal with that just because our diets have gotten so high in sugar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I would really like to be to go, to be able to go back to how I ate before. Um, really, really would like it bad, <laughs> but um yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, it's it took me about two months of being miserable, and also when you're getting rid of candida, your energy plummets. Yeah, or you feel like you're getting the flu. I fortunately never had flu-like symptoms, but I did think that I actually had a, a serious something deficiency because I could barely get out of bed. Um, but that got better. Well, and a new twist, just a new thing to think about to not feeling like you're just swimming in a boat could be the food change because food is what got me out of a depression. So, you know, I hope you can go back to how you ate before too, but I never went back 10 years later. I never went back and I feel awesome. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And that trumps that. But the thing we never talked about actually is how good you are going on your date night. So I imagine that date night, if, if it involves restaurants, is harder on a candida diet. It is harder. And there are some times where I cheat a little bit. Like there is a Mediterranean restaurant that we love. And like, I probably shouldn't have the falafel, which is 
fried in oil, no doubt. And I shouldn't have oil at high temperatures. I should just have coconut oil, which we've changed to at home. But it's gotten to a point where like maybe the first time I had it during this, during this change, it, yeah. it really upset my stomach. Now I'm good. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm now allowing myself a couple more things to be able to eat out and actually enjoy it. Cause my husband and I really love to eat out. Yep. Um, how often but, do you go on date night? Is it a weekly thing? It's almost a weekly thing. Yeah. I love it. I think everyone should do date night. Me too. Whether it's going to a restaurant or whatever. You can do many things on date night. And you know, one of the things that allows us to do that, well, besides uh, focusing on earning yep. and like, paying ourselves really well, because we do pay babysitters, yep. but something else is something called the babysitting co-op that we oh. are members of. And that's basically, it's a credit system. Interesting. Yeah. I really, really would like to create an online course about how to create one of these, but it's not my own intellectual property. Interesting. Um, it's funny. I just saw something about this. Now I'm going to try to figure out where. It is in depth. I mean, the application process is legit because you have to have, you have to be sponsored by three different families. You have to show up for these different, I mean, because people yeah. are coming into your, your people are coming into your house to watch your kids. I totally get it. But um, yeah, uh, we know people who never, ever, ever pay for date nights because they don't go out as often as we do. Yep. Um, but, uh, but yeah, definitely. I mean, you, you could watch other people's kids. Yes. Got it. So that's, you know, not everyone's cup of tea. Last night I watched two kids, a 10 year old and a three and a half year old. And it was delightful and a little you know, there were moments that were challenging, but then they're in bed and I got to work. Awesome. Yeah. So cool. All right. Well, thank you so much for all your time today. My pleasure. It was a pleasure. Yeah, this was great. Thank you so much for having me. At the end of every episode, we choose three doable changes so you can take what you've heard and put it into action because action is where real change happens. And here's the cool thing. It doesn't have to be huge action. It can be lots of little things that add up over time. And they really do add up if you just commit to those little things. Now, sometimes those little things can be a little harder to commit to. So what I recommend is choosing one thing a week, one little thing a week that you really commit to. You really figure out how it fits into your schedule, into your life. You experiment with it. You have fun with it. You discard what doesn't work. You move forward with what does. And after a week, you really can see how it would all work together. Whereas when we decide we're going to change everything all at once, a lot of times what happens is we go, 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 and then a kid gets sick or we have a work thing or we're traveling and, you know, we lose track. It's okay. So choose one thing. Now, in order for you to choose one thing, I always choose three things from every episode so that you can have some choice in the matter. So here are three from Claire's episode. Number one, own your self-care. I feel like there's a lot of episodes where we share a self-care one, and this is because, ladies, sometimes we forget. If you love your work and talking about work, own that. Let that be your self-care. I think this is one of Claire's biggest lessons from this episode. If you feel like something else is fun or gives you joy, own that. Sometimes the definition of self-care is too narrow and we judge people for 
not taking care of themselves or taking care of themselves too much. We have so many different kinds of self-care. So know what yours is. Know what that thing is that you need in your life to feel balanced with your work, your kids, your food, all the things. And it might be one of those things that actually is your self-care. Okay. Number two, find your people. People who get it are so important. We get to talk to them about things we love or even things we don't love. And not everyone in our immediate vicinity, and I have air quotes when I say get it, get it, right? So you want to find people that can support you in what you do. And think about who in your life supports you in the different parts of your life. Who supports you with your work, with your lifestyle as a parent, in your healthy living. Often we have different people for different parts of our lives, and that's great. Often when we expect the same person to support us in all realms, we can feel a little bit ignored or, um, I don't know, sometimes even nagged at because not everybody gets where we are at every stage and every part of our journey. So find those people, look for and connect with your people or reconnect with your people. Sometimes we get so busy at this time of the year, we forget that we need these people in our lives. We need that friend. We need to connect with our spouse about this thing. Uh, We need this to log into this group and pay attention to these people in Facebook. Whatever it is, find your people for the big things that you're working toward. Okay, and actually, the the place where I look for the most support outside of my immediate realm is with money, and interestingly, that's how I found Claire um, a couple years back. Okay, so number three, decide where your money is going. Whether you're using YNAB, which I love and admittedly don't use as often as I should, or work on budgeting on your own, you should try just deciding this, just knowing this, trying this change. Know how much money is coming in. If you're an entrepreneur and it isn't regular, start tracking that so you can see how much comes in and when, and maybe notice, start to notice some trends. This is a long game. This is definitely not a daily fix. Um, and then decide ahead of time where your money is going to go. So maybe if you try this for a weekly experiment, you're just doing this in a notebook and you're simply tracking. Maybe you're going back and you're looking at the last month. Maybe you're simply just being clearer about what you have right now and where you want that to go so that when you go into Target and everyone's pulling on your shirt and saying, I want this and I want this and I want this, you know what you can say yes to and what you actually really want to say no to. Okay, those are the three doable changes from this episode. I will see you on the next episode. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Plan Simple podcast. If you loved what you heard, the biggest compliment you can give is to share the podcast with a friend. And if you really loved what you heard, if you want to go onto iTunes and subscribe, rate, and review, that really helps us get the best guests we can and improve the podcast so that we're serving up exactly what you want to hear. I will see you on the next episode of the Plan Simple Podcast. Bye for now.